I've had someone tell me to, to remove myself from my photos. And this was somebody who was black. Remove myself from my photos because I would not be perceived as a luxury brand if they saw wow. that it was someone black behind. I was like, you got to be kidding. This was supposed to be like a mentor at the time. I, black <laughs> I, on black crime. Yeah. You know, I was like, what? And, um, you know, and that, and, and that was, that was really toxic. Hello, I'm Red. And I'm Tiff. And we're, and we're the, the Fashion, fashion geeks. geeks. Trying to make New York. And the world. Well, New York is the world. A little flyer, one outfit. And podcast. At a time. I'm a native New Yorker. Been here all of my life, which means I am from one of the world's centers. But more importantly, one of the fashion capitals. I'm sure by dint of location, it has probably affected the importance of style and fashion in my family. But what if you're not from a fashion center? Does it mean that you can't be on the level of a New York or London or Paris? What if you're from the South? Other than Matlock rocking a seersucker suit, can you be taken seriously? Is he even taken seriously? Essentially, can you be Dixie Fly? Oh, this is Reg Ferguson, Fashion Geek number one. How are you? Welcome to the ride. Thank you so much for listening. I'm a men's fashion consultant here in New York City, and I help fashion challenge men go from confused to confident. If you ever found yourself staring at the closet and not knowing what to wear, or if the idea of shopping for clothes makes you feel physically ill, then this is the show for you. My goal with every episode is to help make looking good feel easy. If you ever want my help, email me at reg at nyfashiongeek.com for a consultation. If you have a friend who's looking to level up his fashion style wardrobe game, please share an episode with them. While you're at it, if you dig the show and haven't already left us a rating and review, please consider doing so now. Your shares, ratings, and reviews help us grow the show and help us get the best possible guests and help more men dress their best. Today, we're going to talk with Marcel Ames, who is in Richmond, Virginia, and we're going to talk about something that the everyday man should have in their wardrobe. We're going to talk about bespoke and made-to-measure tailored clothing. Marcel in the building. Yo, How yo, are yo. you, man? I'm good. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm hanging in, man. It's, uh, it's Friday. It is. It is Friday. Thank goodness it's Friday, right? <laughs> time, time to kick back, crack one open, and relax, man. Thank you for having me. Oh no, absolutely, man. Yeah, I. If we were doing, uh, if we were doing video, I would have cracked one open. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, you, you can still crack one open. Yes, right? yes, but unfortunately, yeah. with the with the home studio setup. Hey. That uh, that you and I talked about on the DL. Yes, yes I'll have yes. to do that after. After, hey, yeah, because no right now, that. yeah, it's not a, it's not a good look. So before we go into our topic, please tell us. So what do you do? So what do you, so what do you, so what do you do? I am a designer is the title that I assume. Um, but I, 
in all honesty, I do everything. Um, I, you know, owner of Ten of Pentacles, which I guess I consider more of a, a design house. Um, so, you know, my role is I'm a, I'm sort of a solopreneur, I guess you would call me, um, sure. and do every aspect from the business, from, you know, coding the website to designing to the shipping, fulfillment, marketing, every single aspect of it, uh, as many, you know, newer brands do. But, you know, my, my, the, the title I like to use the most is as designer um, of the brand. Straight to the point. Yes. And can you elaborate of what Ten of Pentacles is? And I want to keep it real with you. Mm-hmm. I've been following you on the gram for a while. I'm okay. to you probably because, you know, okay. you have thousands of followers. So, you know. Thank you. There's one guy from New York. You're like, who's that? I appreciate it. Thank you, man. No, oh, that means yeah. a lot. No, no, no. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not blowing smoke. Yeah, I, I followed your account a while ago because I learned about you actually through a magazine article. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah, yeah. And then the reason why I asked you on is that I do a lot of clubhouse now. Mm-hmm. And you were in Greg's room of No yes. Man Walks Alone. Shout out to No Man Walks Alone. Right. And we're going to talk about that probably uh, eventually in this episode. Sure. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally know who this guy is. I follow him <laughs> and I've read about him. So big shout out to Clubhouse. And, and here we are. But I'm going to keep it real with you. Uh-huh. I thought it was X of Pentacles for a long time. And so, all right. <laughs> Let's get to the bottom of that. Yes. As a newer brand, as, you know, someone that is continuing to, to try to get traction, and it, you know, I'll admit it's it's a bit of a difficult name. It comes from a tarot card for those who Right. Know. So I did my research. It, yeah. <laughs> of going, hey, so this... Uh, yeah, this X of Pentacles. That's interesting. Yeah, I was like, is, yeah, like X-Men. Yeah, like the tarot card, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, you know, I, and I've actually used, used it sort of interchangeably in conversation with people for the simple fact that if you were to Google 10 of Pentacles, like T-E-N, you know, if I were to be in conversation with you and say, oh, my brand's 10 of Pentacles, you went back to Google it, you would come up with the tarot card. And, you know, unless you use some sort of specific uh, keywords like Ten of Pentacles clothing or something like that. So I would say X of Pentacles to people so that, you know, if they got home or jumped on their phone and wanted to find me on on the gram or whatever, and they type in X of Pentacles, they find me. Um, But it is, you know, formally, it is Ten of Pentacles. So hope that that clears it up. No, absolutely. Uh, So much so. Like I said, I'm a research guy. That card specifically, and mm-hmm. I'd love for you to elaborate about why you chose it. Mm-hmm. It represents wealth mm-hmm. and long-term success. Mm-hmm. First starting out, uh, even before I had the brand, I had kind of like this uh, tarot reading. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like during a very, very turbulent time for me. Um, and I was just kind of sort of grasping for straws, honestly, and, you know, wanting some kind of clarity. And, I, you know, always been a fan of the esoteric, um, obviously. And so I, you know, I had a tarot reading, I've done dowsing, you know, dowsing pendulum things before and all kinds of different things, but, uh, did a tarot reading and it was advised to me to reflect upon this 10 of pentacles card. This card kept showing up for me. Um, so I had that 
you know, kind of going. And the logo uh, is another, it actually comes from a Hindu meditation called the uh, Tatvas um, and represents the process of manifestation. So it was basically like a sort of a creative visualization exercise where, you know, you would have these symbols, so this circle, the triangle, the crescent, and the square that represented elements, but represented this process of manifestation. So the circle being thought or a vision of something, the triangle being uh, emotion, passion, desire, um, the crescent being, you know, uh, like fluidity, being able to um, adjust like water and uh, sort of be able to let go of things in an amicable way. And then, you know, obviously doing like physical work and you get to the square and uh, which represents earth. And that is the actual like phys physical, tangible manifestation or outcome of this vision. So attaching all those things together. And, I, you know, I, I had that like carved into a wooden box before I even, before this brand even existed. That was just a personal part of me. And, uh, sort of like my own personal ethos for how I, I viewed life and kind of wanted to operate. So when we paired those two things together, it, you know, that was, that was already there for me. So naturally like in starting the brand, it was like, boom, I already had, I had my logo. I had, I had the name and um, it was just kind of going up from there. Mm. So you really took two philosophies and combined them. Yes. And again, that yes. logo is the circle, triangle, crescent, square. Mm -hmm. And those represent in order, I believe, air, fire, water, and earth. Is that correct? Co correct. That is correct. It is. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's it's one of those sort of reflective, I guess, positive uh, cards in the deck that, you know, for me stood for... Um, sort of this re reflective way, like if you look on the card, you'll see like this old man and sort of a family and there's like a castle in the background and there's like, you know, wheat and things growing. And it, it kind of stood, I guess for me, like acquiring or building, um, building wealth and not just, not just necessarily material wealth, but, um, materializing certain things in your life and being able to reflect on them and enjoy them. You know, we, we often work so hard in our lives and, <clears throat> you know, never stop to smell the roses, so to speak, or, you know, some people are sort of adverse to, you know, um, maybe buying things that they enjoy or taking trips or, you know, doing things. It's like, okay, we work so hard. We need to actually enjoy ourselves and there was sort of a parallel with that and sort of my uh, kind of growing philosophy, like, you know, just from me being my own, like, kind of menswear nerd uh, for several years. And it was like, you know, when I was going through that journey and first starting out, I was like, okay, I want to know what is the best of the best? What does something good look like? How is that made? What makes something great? You know, what, what makes something well made, well thought out? Why, why are these things good? Who makes them? How are they done? That, that whole kind of thing. Um, and so there was kind of a, a parallel between that where it was like with this brand, you know, when people kind of reach that moment of, all right, I'm tired of shopping at, you know, malls maybe, or, you know, buying things to kind of wear out after a season or, 
you know, don't look good or whatever the case may be, whatever your reasoning is for wanting to sort of step up into something uh, different. And, you know, like you said in the beginning, like you want to elevate your style, so to speak. Um, That was kind of what I what what I envisioned and has always been my model. Like I'd rather spend a bit more for something that is uh, better quality and, you know, looks better and fits me and, you know, um, kind of checks all these boxes off. And so that was kind of the, uh, the parallel, but that, that card, um, where did I get? So the, the, the cause the logo and the actual brand name are, are kind of two different things. Okay. Why did you decide to do a tarot reading? Um, I, th- uh, I think, I, again, I think I was like kind of grasping for something outside of myself. I think I was looking for some sort of external guidance and if not even guidance, just something to give me um, maybe some sort of clarity or, you know, something hopeful to look to. Like, you know, a lot of crazy shit had gone down during that time. So I was really mentally in this sort of numb space. Um, and, and just didn't have much to hold on to at the time. And so uh, that, you know, that be those sorts of things, you know, the esoteric and all those have always been very, like I said, personal and important to me because, you know, there've been many times when me going into that space and, you know, maybe things I've read or experienced and has always sort of lifted me up in a way, um, almost like restoring, uh, a sense of power to myself in a way. So, you know, me doing the, the tarot reading, I think it was just like this natural inclination I had, like, okay, let me like have somebody throw some cards for me. Like <laughs> I need to get, I need to get to my subconscious here. Like, you know, which is, which is how I view them. Not that they're this, like, it's this magical, you know, mystical force above that's controlling these things, but, you know, more so looking at things like, you know, tarot cards or, you know, pendulums or whatever tools people use as, as tools to sort of access the subconscious, the same way people would hold dowsing rods back in the day to find, you know, well water. Like it was a sort of a subconscious tool. So, um, yeah, that was, that was why I went in that direction. So how did it feel coming out of that specific tarot reading being delivered that card and knowing that's the card for you? In all honesty, I, you know, part of me was, was, uh, hopeful about it, you know, cause it was, it was like a, a great card. Um, and it was still something that I had to like research and, and look into to really be able to reflect on it. And, you know, there was a part of me that was skeptical and was just like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, if, if anything is, you know, this is just entertaining at the very least. Um, you know, it was, I was half and half. It was, it was, again, you know, it was a weird space. Mm. Yeah. The name itself, mm-hmm. if you compare it to other brands, let's say in the menswear space, mm-hmm. uh, very distinct. Mm-hmm. Did you have any trepidation about launching the brand under this, under this name? Of course. Of course. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, please, please explain. Uh, I, I think I, this was a part of that headspace where like, you know, starting out, um, 
you know, wanting, cause you know, the, the, the basis of my brand is like, everything is very personal to me. Um, everything comes with a story. Everything has some sort of history or relevance to something in my life at some point in time. And so, you know, with this sort of thing being important to me, it's not always something that I, I put out there, especially in the beginning, you know, me being in it, you know, like this sort of alternative, alternative spirituality, you know, esoteric space, all that kind of stuff. And I was worried like, okay, is this going to seem weird to people? Would this be offensive? Is this going to put people off? You know, the the name is kind of long. Like, you know, I've, I've gone back and forth on that too. Like, okay, do I just change it to something else? Like I, you know, so there, there were all these things kind of going in my head where I was, but also a need to feel like I needed to stand out. Um, I needed something to kind of stick out of the crowd, you know, even though I felt like things I offered and things I planned to offer would be um, of a, you know, substantial quality or, you know, would get to a substantial quality. um, I still needed kind of something to like kind of make people be like, okay, Marcel's here. Like, you know, like I, I wanted something to stick out. So, um, I just kind of, I, I rolled with it, but you know, in the beginning, like that, that first year, first two years, maybe even three, um, it was, it was something I was careful about. I was like, okay, I can't put too much, like, you know, I can't do anything spooky. I can't do anything like this, this <laughs> too, you know, too out there. Like, you know, again, I'm in the South. So, you know, very heavy, like, uh, you know, religious followings and that sort of thing here. And I, I'd even had people tell me like, oh, that sounds like the devil to me. And it's like, okay, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's not, but you know, um, so that, you know, there was, there was always that. And I guess just kind of wanting to play it safe. And that was sort of a, a recurring theme for me, if you will, this playing it safe, um, wanting to appeal on a broader spectrum, um, yeah. Well, you've hit on something. Uh-huh. So I introduced you and I said where you're where you're from. Uh-huh. You're from Richmond and that's uh-huh. where you reside. And I'm here in New York, obviously. So <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and built to stay that way. Yes. But the point I'm making is you are part of the Bible Belt. Uh-huh. I've been to Richmond. Have you? Absolutely. Okay. I have stayed at the Jefferson. Ah, yeah. Yep. And I saw the uh, Prince Suite. I'm sure you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. There is mm-hmm. a suite that is at the Jefferson that Prince stayed at during the Purple Rain tour. Yes. Uh, and if I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, this is a long time ago I've been to Richmond, so please mm-hmm. forgive me. I think one of the hallmarks of that hotel it has like alligators or crocodiles something. in the in the uh in the fountain yes um, the yeah yeah okay gotcha yeah yeah don't sleep on me man I've been to Richmond you yeah man you wow okay <laughs> uh, I've stayed at the Jefferson I've stayed at the Marriott right off the highway mm-hmm. right there at the VCU dome and uh you know Richmond spiders VCU hung out in Shaco slip Okay. Yeah, man. Okay, you're, you're naming some naming some good places. I'm Seen the Richmond Braves game. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, but my Jefferson is nice. It's, you know, it's it's one of those like uh, classic. Yes. Um. Very classic, like decadent sort of 
Southern hotels, like, you know, it almost, it almost reminds you of like, you know, in Home Alone 2 and walking into the Plaza Hotel and, you know, <laughs> the crimson carpeting and the gold and crown molding. And, you know, you can still smell the dust of Thomas Jefferson's wig in the air. Like, it's like old, old Southern shit. It's, uh, uh yeah, it's smoothie yeah. smooth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think they were surprised when I came through the door. Yes. But, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> that was there on business. And uh, it was quite fun. Excellent. So the reason I'm bringing this up is Uh when you're from New York, and I know Uh you worked up here, and we're going to talk about that, Uh uh, particularly because I called you on a New York number. So I'm like, what's that about, bro? (laughs) Hey, you're you're fronting? You're in Virginia. (laughs) Hey, Hey, I recognize this area. Hey, this is is my area code. What is he doing? But my point is, all jokes aside, uh-huh. you're in Richmond. Yes, I've been there. I know it a little bit as a as a tourist, right? Mm-hmm. I've never lived there. But I know it's part of the Bible Belt. You mentioned something already about, you know, someone referring to your brand being satanic. Mm-hmm. My My point is, what is it like to proselytize bespoke and made to measure Mm-hmm. Neapolitan clothing mm-hmm. in the South. It's a battle, honestly. It, it, you know, and I'll, I'll I'll say it's a battle, particularly particularly in Richmond. I haven't ventured out too much into the South um, with the brand. You know that I, I think that could change, obviously, um, as my customer base kind of grows and relationships grow and. I can do more things, but, um, in Richmond, it's, it it was, it's kind of like, you know, you have, you have pros and cons. You have this pro where, you know, there's no one else in the entire state of Virginia that does bespoke tailoring at the moment, except for us. Um, also Neapolitan tailoring and offering it 365. Um, and also, you know, just as you know, and, you know, I'm, for those who do or don't know, like when the Politan tailoring being so lightweight and unstructured, you know, I, I even have some jackets that are just totally made out of fabric. There's no canvas. There's no nothing. You can hold them up and the breeze blows through it. Being ideal for this sort of climate, you know, you you step out of your car like right now and it feels like Satan's armpit. Like, you know, when you jump out, like the humidity yes. is is insane. So it makes sense for us. It makes sense for a lot of people. But to make that make sense uh, to people here has, um, been, you know, I I don't want to say an exercise in futility, but it's been a lot tougher. Um, especially in Richmond where we aren't necessarily primed yet to sustain luxury things. Um, especially when it comes to clothing, you know, somebody want to buy a nice boat or a truck or, you know, and I'm just naming kind of random things, sure. but like clothing is not a priority for people here, at least uh, in terms of classic menswear. Um, you know, obviously like we used to have need supply, but even they're no longer here um, where people kind of exposed to higher end brands and clothing. But there's, you know, it's you kind of have pockets and sort of categories, I guess, people might assimilate into. And, you know, the tailoring is not one of them. So the style here is more like the uh like boxy American kind of good old boy look like, you know, 
seersucker shirt and a bow tie and, you know, khaki trousers and a very large, uh, heavily padded, like, blazer. And that's, you know, that's the, the uniform. And some people make it a little wacky and, you know, wear brighter colors or, um, you know, there, there's just, there, there isn't much of a, a, a focus on the uh, craftsmanship of, of things, right, for people. So, um, you know, it, it's, it has been more of a challenge, challenge to provide an educational component to what I'm doing and to help people to kind of get it. And, you know, even in showing people things like, you know, the average person look at something and it's like, okay, I don't, you know, what's the difference between this and what I'm getting at, you know, Joseph A. Banks or whatever. And, you know, which sounds crazy, but there are people who are like that. Sure. Um, no, I mean, that that's a legitimate question. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, trying to show people, so, you know, like, okay, this is sewn by hand. So this is what a hand sewn seam looks like. You see the ridge on the top up. You see how it's folded up, you know, like showing people what pad decision looks like, being able to open it up and show the canvas in it. And, you know, the little, they look like little crow's feet kind of going down. Like, you know, this is, this is how you kind of get this nice lapel roll where you're rolling this, you're rolling this over your knee and sewing it in these lines to, you know, accentuate the roll of it, like kind of trying to show those details. But, and I, I'm, I'm probably making this a longer explanation than was asked, but no, 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 no. it's, it's um, just fine. Keep on. yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a bit of a tougher sell here. Um, people just don't spend money, you know, that much or rather, you know, in, invest in things that have to do with clothing. They're more content with, you know, going to whoever their custom clothier kind of guy is and, um, you know, going that route. And then also like people not knowing what bespoke is either. So, you know, we, I, and I, 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 I sometimes get on this soapbox sometimes and it's not like to make myself sound better or appear like I'm better than something, but just more like I hate when people use the two interchangeably, you know, it's kind of become this buzzword lately where people will, you know, almost like how couture was for women, right? You, you'd have businesses that would call themselves so-and-so couture, Joe Blow couture, whatever, but they weren't actually a couturier. Like, you know, there's a process for actually be, you know, doing and producing couture, but um, the same kind of thing has happened with bespoke, and so you absolutely, have people, you know, the people is abused. It is, oh, oh my God, it's abused, and so you know, you have people are like, oh, you know, um, well, there, there are six or seven, eight people here. You know, they do bespoke too, and so you know, so and so bespoke clothes. I'm like, you know, so and so bespoke custom clothes. And I was like, if they use bespoke, if they call themselves bespoke custom clothes, whatever. 99.9% chance they don't even know what the term actually means or, you know, just looking to exploit kind of the popularity of the term. So, you know, there's a fun side to that and being able to walk people through uh, that process, show people pictures, it kind of weirds people out, honestly, to see like basic stitches in a garment. And it's like, this doesn't look done. What's wrong right, with right, it? Right, you know, right. it's, it's a, the, it's the sausage making. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think there, and I don't want to sound too negative, but I think there, you know, there, there are pros and cons to it. There's, you know, there, there's absolutely an opportunity to educate people, but, you know, um, and specifically here in Richmond, I think that it's individuality is still very kind of a rare thing. Um, 
being a little bolder is still kind of a rare. They're, they're, I think people still, for some reason, I don't know what it is here, like um, find comfort and sort of it's like, I'll wait for this person to try it or do it and then I'll I'll do it. Or, you know, this I'll, I'll wait for this group of people to start wearing it. You know, we have, there's a lot of that. And that's just something like, I grew up in the city of Richmond. So I feel like I I can I can say that I didn't grow up in the county. I grew up in the, in the city proper, like, Robert E. Lee on my gym shorts, Richmond, Virginia. So mm. um, that, you know, that was just something like growing up here, I observed like, you know, people being comfortable in groups. So doing something different that people haven't heard of before or hasn't sort of gained mass popularity yet is still a much harder push. Um, being a higher price point, like, you know, there, there's so many factors that go into it where it's like, okay, the New York client gets it or even the guys in DC get it. But um, here it's a bit of a harder push. So I'm, you know, I, I go back and forth some days, but I, you know, I, I truly hope that, you know, if anything, I can at least help to get the conversation going to, you know, expose people to things that I was exposed to. And I don't know, you know, create some sort of momentum. I'm not, you know, necessarily looking to be this, you know, hero or, you know, sort of like big, big fish here, uh, so to speak with what I'm doing. It's just, you know, w wanting to offer something different and, um, something that I love that I'm passionate about that I want to share with people. And that's just kind of my whole, yeah. Hey, have you ever found yourself looking in your closet before an important meeting event, get together with friends, or maybe even a date and said, I don't know what to wear. I just don't have the right clothes. Well, that may or may not be true. One of the best ways to figure it out is to determine what I call your fashion foundation. I've put together a free guide so you don't find yourself looking in the mirror cursing yourself again. It's called the 10 things that every man should have in his wardrobe. To sign up, just head over to nyfashiongeek.com forward slash 10 things, the number 10, to get it in your inbox today. I would hope that you being a native, uh -huh. you have an inside track, but clearly you uh -huh. are preaching the gospel uh -huh. to individuals who have never heard the word. Uh -huh. I'm going to ask you this question. Uh -huh. Do you feel that a lot of times you are not received effectively because, because I'm you're African-American. Mm -hmm. I, I, I knew that was coming. Well, you know, I'm and black too, buddy. Yes. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm not the person knew. to ask this question. Yes, I knew that was coming. And, it, and yes, the answer is yes. yes Why is yes, that? Yes. <laughs> um, because you're a I've, native. You've been, I'm a native. You've been yeah. there all life. You know uh -huh. those streets. You know those roads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it... Because I've had people tell me that. I've, what I've what had, did they tell you specifically? I've had someone tell me to, to remove myself from my photos. And this was somebody who was black. Remove myself from my photos because I would not be perceived as a luxury brand if they saw wow. that there was someone black behind. I was like, you got to be kidding. This was supposed to be like a mentor at the time. I, black <laughs> on black crime. Yeah. You know, I was like, what? And... um you know, and that, and, and that was, that was really toxic because I think I already sort of had in the back of my mind, like, you know, 
I guess to give an example, it was like, you know, growing up, we'd be in, in elementary school and our, our elementary schools and, and middle schools or whatever, Richmond public schools in general were, you know, majority were black. And you might have a few, you know, children who were, you know, white sprinkled in or, um, you know, other ethnicities sprinkled in, but it was majority black. And you'd have these moments. I remember as a kid, man, elementary school, was, I remember, I think it was like fifth grade. We had like maybe two white kids in the whole class. The rest of us were black. And our teacher, um, you know, this is when you had like old school teachers, like smelled like Jerry curls and, you know, be eating <laughs> Bojangles in the, in the classroom, like old school, you know, wow. um, drove Cadillacs and stuff, pull these, you know, asked the two white children, they were like, you know, um, Cindy and whatever can, you know, why don't you all go down to the, to the library and read for a second. They pull them out of class and they close that door and it'd be like, um, what is going on here? You know, what, what is, you know, we're, we're having behavior issues with you all. You know, you, you need to understand something now. And what you need to understand is those two children that will like, you know, as, as good as those two children are who walked out of here, you are going to have to work five times harder than they are to get to half of, you know, where they could potentially get in this world. You, you always have to work harder. You always have to be, you know, 10 steps ahead, 10 steps ahead or whatever. And, you know, people could, you know, maybe in, in today's world would argue that was problematic, but these were also people who had experienced. Right. Um, it was instructional. A lot of, yeah. A lot of, you know, discrimination, firsthand discrimination, right. seeing that my mom, you know, my parents did, my mom did, I have. So it's, you know, it's not this mystical. I, I think people get, think it's, it's like something that's so far removed from us when it's like, no, this no. stuff still goes down today. It's very contemporary. Yes. And so... You know, that's always in the back of your head. That's always drilled into you growing up. And so, yes, I, you know, there were many times where I wondered, like, okay, would the brand be this much further along if, you know, I were some white guy that, you know, came through and it was like, oh, I'm, you know, doing bespoke tailoring and doing all these things. Like, would I have been celebrated more or, um, you know, been embraced more by people or, you know, taking this way, like, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard kind of thing. Like, you know, sometimes you have like the gentleman who was like, you know, take yourself down from the pictures or, you know, people's kind of saying like, um, you know, underhanded racist things to you, like at events and stuff, like, you know, it, it, I've, I've experienced it all. And so, yes, that is always kind of in the, in the back of my mind. But I think I finally just reached a point where I was like, you know, I can't, I can't control that. Um, what people think or perceive of me. I can't control people's, um, you know, people wanting to be discriminatory, you know, against me or whatever, you know, whether it's, it's my own people or not. Like I, I can't, I can't control that. The only thing I can do is present, you know, what I have to put my brand out there to, to do the best that I know how to do and offer what I feel is the best. And, and that's it, because people are going to think what you know what they want to think. Like I, I can't, I can't control that. But you know, in the the short version is yes, hell yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it, it's still, it, you know, it, I don't, I'm not sure if that ever really goes away. I don't think it. I don't think it does. I think. No. I think your success can mitigate it. Absolutely. But. This same mentor, I don't know if you still have a relationship with this individual. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I wonder, and maybe, you know, you can help me chronologically. Mm -hmm. 
So I looked at your gram. Like I said, I followed your gram. But Mm -hmm. again, when I'm doing an interview, I went through your whole gram, top to bottom. Damn. My question is, because again, I don't know the chronology of the schism. Mm -hmm. What did or what would your mentor have thought about the post that you have, you know, representing your lifestyle with a white woman as one of the models? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. He might have he he might have had a problem with it. He might have, you know, I don't know. I feel like I feel like he's like I had some of those editorials out when yeah, that's what I, like I said, only you know the timing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, he never mentioned it to me. Um, so I have no, I have no idea. Gotcha. I have no idea. Now, the irony is, as we talk about this, uh-huh. you have benefited from the largesse of people who don't look like you and I. Mm-hmm. So the aforementioned Greg Lelouch of No Man Walks Alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Manmi mm-hmm. of Plaza Omo. Mm-hmm. And you've gotten a lot of love from the fashion trades. Yes. WWD. Uh, I want to talk about the GQ thing in depth, hopefully, before mm-hmm. this conversation ends. Mm-hmm. So here you are. It appears the only African-American bespoke tailor in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm championing this lifestyle through clothing Mm -hmm. people who don't look like us giving you a hard time Mm -hmm. but but white individuals really have pulled you up to help you out absolutely so how does that feel i think it it, i mean it feels great It, it feels if it feels, if I mean, I guess if it feels like this is how it should be, you know, like, um, and I, I don't even know if I ever looked at, you know, those things that we talk about as like a black and white thing. It was just like, maybe I even looked at it more so as a geographic thing that the majority of the love I received was from outside of where I reside. These were people in, you know, different countries and, you know, a lot of them in New York and right. other places. It was, it was like. Well, it's going to happen in New York. Right. Yeah. If you're worthy. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm grateful to be considered worthy, man. Um, yeah. It was like, I think it was more of a geographic sort of thing for me than it was a, a race thing with a, a lot of these people I've developed these relationships with and have been kind enough to you know, work with me, give me advice, you know, um, form a relationship with them. It was more, and I've, I've had this conversation recently where I was like, it's, you know, it's still, it's so weird. Like I get, I, I you know, and this is just a, a sort of a, a designer creative space sort of thing where I was like, damn, I feel like I'm embraced so much more outside of here than in, in Richmond. It's like, I still kind of get looks from people or, you know, um, kind of like underhanded comments and conversations or, you know, people kind of give you like, Oh, you look like you're second rate kind of, you know, it's like, Oh, oh. You know, 
a lot of that. There's a lot of that, um, especially compared to like other people who might be doing tailoring or whatever else. But they'll look at me like, or it'll be one of those things where like you know they'll ask me who's making my stuff or you know what tailors are you working with? Who makes your scarves? Wow. Look at the tags, that sort of thing. But to actually work together as equals, um, it's like the the conversation drops or you don't, you know, get a response back or it's just like, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those scenarios. So I've just been like, you know what, like it is what it is. I had, and, and that is not to say that I haven't had support here because I really have, I've, I've had, you know, there's several, uh, people and, and places that have supported me here in Richmond and in Virginia, but, there's been a, a much larger embrace from places outside of here. And I, you know, I could speculate as to maybe why, um, you know, those things are sometimes it, it could be like, maybe people see me as a threat. Um, you know, some people may just, you know, may not know what I'm doing. And it's just like, okay, well, I don't, you know, there, there are a lot of people that just sell something to sell something. If, if you kind of get what I'm saying, it's like, I'm, I'm slinging suits because I want to sell suits, but I don't really know much further than that. I don't know how they construct it or I don't, you know, it's just like, oh, I just want to sell custom suits, whatever. And that's fine. But that's that's not what I do. Um, no, and I so mean, sometimes the exact it, opposite. You're, you're erudite. You, yes. You started from scratch mm-hmm. and taught yourself. Mm-hmm. So... People need to know that story. We're not going to be able probably with our time. I already in my head, I'm saying to myself, hey, man, we may we may have to do a two parter. If you know. right. Uh, you know, I always tell guests, you're always welcome back. But yes. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, I've, you know, unbeknownst to you, I followed you probably, I don't know, a year or two years ago. Oh, sure. Because okay. you launched. Yeah. You launched in 2016. Correct. Correct. So, yeah, I. I think I was, re- I don't know, I was either reading uh, MR Magazine or mm-hmm. I don't know what I was reading. Okay. And then, you know, read an article or it might have been an old Plaza Omo. Okay. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, that's cool. That's yeah. interesting. And then found you on the ground, followed you on the ground. And then, like I said, Clubhouse, I constantly big up Clubhouse on my newsletter and on my pod. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, Greg has that room, which I actually don't let him know I've I have forgotten to uh, join that room recently. Uh, but also, he doesn't set it up ahead of time. I wish he would just right. set it up so I could put it. Anyone who sets them up ahead of time, I could put it in my calendar. Yeah. And then yeah. I get a reminder. It's high you know, demand. Yeah. Tuesday comes and goes. He doesn't. He only sets it up right then. So I'm like, oh, I forgot. But I was fortunate enough that one time, mm-hmm. that might have been one of the last times. Because, again, I just forget. Like this week, I yeah. forgot. I was like, yeah. oh, he's got the thing. Tell Greg to set it up on the calendar. But, you know, but like I said, I heard you and I said, oh, I said, yeah, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to follow up. So you started with the brand because Uh you have to start somewhere. And Uh my assumption is when you're starting with a brand, you have to start small. Yes. You started with pocket squares. So actually, and I... (laughs) I, I, I'll even forget this sometimes. I actually started out with um, knitwear. I did not know that. Yeah. I actually started out with um, this. I was like working, kind of working with this knitwear manufacturer and I was doing these like uh, short sleeve and long sleeve polos. Um, 
and that was kind of what I really, I, I started, uh, that was sort of like me playing around with product development. So I would sketch out these collar patterns and cuff patterns. I think I had some that had like the, uh, what do you call them? Like the English turn back cuffs, like the James yeah, Bond. Yeah, the Dr. cocktail no cuffs. cuffs. Yeah, I had the cocktail yeah, cuffs. Yeah, 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 I saw this. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. This polo yeah. shirt's crazy. Yeah, I I started with, with that. With collar. Yeah, and um, it it didn't go anywhere. I couldn't. Oh, yeah. really? Mm-hmm. And so. It's very unique. Thank you. Thank you. It was, uh, you know, that was my, it was like, I was sitting at this kitchen table sketching these things out. And um, while do, in doing that, I was like, okay, I want to do other things. Like I was teaching myself how to sketch and do graphic design. I was on like, you know, uh, cracked version of Illustrator, maybe allegedly <laughs> you know, on my on my old college computer, and learning these things as I was still experiencing like concussion symptoms and all that kind of stuff. So um, I was like, well, what would be you know the next most accessible thing? Um, because you know with the shirts, like th- those were something that I had to do custom. Like I was I, I wasn't able to. Uh, produce them in batches, so to speak, and, you know, sell them ready where I had to do them custom. So um, I couldn't do that. I, you know, just, it just didn't happen. And I was like, all right, what's the next entry point? Obviously like, you know, accessories. So I'm like, okay, well, I want to do pocket squares, but I want a certain kind of pocket square. I want them to be hand rolled. And, you know, so I, I went through that whole like process. And then I was like, well, I don't want to use, like, I don't want to circulate patterns. Right. I don't, I'm I, like, people have a million fucking Paisley pocket squares or, <laughs> you know, um, neats and all these other things. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, and so I was, as I was learning craft design, I was like, you know what? I'm going to send them my own shit. Like I'm gonna do my own thing. I'll, you know, so I started with, um, what did I, I did like a medallion pattern and was working with this fabric mill. And, um, I just had silk printed up. I had this silk printed up in this medallion pattern and I, but, um, what is it like a wool interfacing, wool interlining and thread. And, um, I cut out, like I literally just had cardboard. It was like cardboard all over the fucking place. And I was cutting out these tie patterns, these necktie patterns. Mm. Then I had a friend of mine who had like a, had like a laser machine and had him, like I went and got a plexiglass and had him make me like cut me out this tie pattern. Like I did the CAD design for it and sent it to him. And make me this top pattern, and I would sit at the table, and I, that same silk that I had printed out, I, I cut out all of the inner linings. Um, I cut out my patterns for the silk, and I screwed, I screwed up a lot of silk. <laughs> let me just, <laughs> let me say, I screwed up a lot of good silk. Um, and I would, I would sew these ties like I would do the hand rolling on the edges. As I was, I've been playing around with hand rolling. I do the hand rolling. I do, uh, you know, the slip stitch down the spine with the, um, with the tension loop on it and all these things. I'm like, I, you know, making these ties and some of them came out kind of weird. A lot of them came out kind of weird. Some of them were, you know, pretty decent and I still have them. Um, and that was kind of my first like crack was like doing that, doing, I think I had like matka silk from somewhere. I was doing these sort of like, um, these, uh, untipped neckties that were made out of matka silk, um, and I think that's actually that's the around that time was the first time I met Greg, and he actually saw some of these ties, which are like some of them were good, but they it wasn't like it was hit or miss. 
Yeah, it was it was it was hit or miss. Like I had a couple ones that were good, and the rest it was like, I, there's no way in hell you can sell this. Like, I, I you know it was, yeah, it was it was a little rough. Um, but yeah, that was that was what I started with, man. And you know, eventually, like I you know printed out the pocket squares, and I did this like Virginia collection. Yes, um, yeah, so you know that was just me. Like those were kind of the first sketches I did, where I was just like, oh what do I think would sell well? You know, I'm in Richmond. Why don't I do a Virginia collection? Yeah. Um, you know, so I did like Colonial Williamsburg and King Neptune, Virginia beach and, you know, the Richmond skyline and all that kind of, you know, stuff. And that was the, uh, my first, first collection, so to speak. Nice. You and I are going to have to do a two-parter. Okay. Uh, again, the door is open to do it. Okay. We, Cause there's so much to talk about. There is so much to talk about. What's the top fashion tip you would give the everyday man so he could look his best? Marcel? My top fashion tip, I think, would be um, have at least one to two jackets that fit well, especially in the chest and the shoulders. Um that are sort of, you know, standard colors, like you, you for sake of versatility, um, and, and, you know, with an emphasis on someone, you know, starting their wardrobe or, you know, just kind of starting to curate and build things, starting with the basics and, um, you know, having things that are a bit more versatile, you know, um, a blazer, a suit, a nice pair of denim, a uh, pair of boots, uh, you know, pair of, I, I like Oxfords, like, um, you know, have a pair of Oxfords. And I, I typically do browns, like I don't do black shoes or any of that kind of stuff. That's another story. Um, have things that are basically, you know, th- that are versatile, um, that you can kind of get the most out of. Um, if you don't have this extensive wardrobe, pairing it with, you know, different kinds of shirts. If it's, you know, you have like a navy, nice navy blazer, you know, you could throw that on with a t-shirt as much as you could throw it on with a crisp white shirt or a blue shirt. You know, there's so many things you can do and to kind of stretch your wardrobe a bit and get the most out of it. Um, so I, yeah, I would just say kind of, you know, starting with, with the, the basics. Um, and I mean that, you know, like basic colors and, you know, you can never go wrong with like wool and, um, and cotton in particular, you know, nothing too crazy or pattern. And there's always a way to flip that, stretch it out with, you know, the shirts or accessories and all these little things that can make it look like a, a totally different outfit the next day, even if you wore the same jacket yesterday. Um, you know, give, give versatility out of it, wear it, see how, things feel on you, how they fit on you, what colors look best on you and don't, don't drown you out and start there. And, um, you know, don't, you don't have to rush it either. Like, I think part of, part of starting out slow is like understanding yourself, understanding what your needs are, how your body is, you know, how, what your lifestyle is. If you're an active person, you know, if you're in a hot place or a cold place, if you're sitting down a lot, like taking all of these things into play to really understand, what your your needs are and then kind of going from there into like okay well this is what i like or these are certain things that i like or this this works well for me and it's easy instead of 
getting in the weeds and it's like, oh, well, what are the rules for, you know, we think about the rules, like, what are the rules? What, what kind of, you know, what should I do with this? Or what should I do with that? Like, you know, technically, yeah, there, you know, there are quote unquote rules, but like at the end of the day, I think the goal everyone wants to achieve is just look, look good, feel good, you know? Um, and the rest can come later. And so I don't, you know, you don't always have to, adhere to the rules, so to speak. I'm not telling you to go step out in like, you know, a, a flaming pink jacket with like, you know, <laughs> geese on the front or something like that. But, you know, um, just start with the basics and understand you, understand your body, understand your lifestyle. And I think the rest falls into place. And, you know, just do some, do some homework, you know, try things out, feel them. Um, that's kind of the best, you know, experience is the best teacher. So uh, I guess that is the advice I would give. Makes sense. So what does always be fly mean to you? (laughs) Oh man. I think always be fly is like a mind state in a way, you know, like, um, Always be fly to me is being noticed, but not being noticed. Um, I've, I've always admired the, the subtle sort of like flyness, you know, not, not too flashy, not too out there. Maybe a, you know, piece, piece here and there that stands out being noticed, but not being noticed. Like, you know, maybe you have to get up close to, uh, see certain details or, um, certain nuances of, of what someone is wearing. And, um, you know, the other half, I think it's just mental. It's just the confidence you have that, you know, you feel comfortable in what you're doing. And, um, yeah, it's like a mind state, you know, that always, always be flying. Even if you don't, even if the, you know, the outside doesn't, doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, feel fly. I think, you know, the, the mind state is fly. Like, uh, you know, as, as much as I like to, and I, you know, I try to keep it real with people. Like, you know, I, I like to present things and it's a much more, um, curated sort of look if you look on the Instagram, but you know, I'm not always in a, you know, in a, in a suit or, you know, high rise trousers or whatever. Like, you know, I'm sitting here and, and I got a wife beater on and some old new balance and, <laughs> you know, whatever, like, right. but of course. It's, you know, it's, it's all, again, I think it's a mind state and, you know, as long as you know, your, your abilities and are are comfortable in that, you know, the rest, uh, the rest sort of comes together, but yeah, always be fly. Absolutely. Marcel Ames, ex representing Richmond VA. Two up, two down. Now, you know. So I think the biggest thing I learned was if you're good and have the talent, passion, and skill, it doesn't matter where you're from. Now the question is, will the city of Richmond be known for birthing this brand? A brand that GQ and Women's Wear Daily have anointed as legit? Only time will tell. In the meanwhile, go to Ten of Pentacles. Xofpentacles.com and pick yourself up an accessory or Let's keep supporting these great particularly in the South. 
Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun and are down for another one. Please tell a friend who could use some fashion help about the podcast or share an episode with them directly. If you enjoy the show, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Lastly, if you constantly struggle putting an outfit together and are looking to turn that confusion into confidence, I'd love to talk about how we can improve your Check me out at nyfashiongeek.com and email me at reg at nyfashiongeek.com for a consultation. A special shout goes for our producer search and everyone down with the Fashion Geek Podcast. If you have a story suggestion, you can email me at podcast at nyfashiongeek.com or hit me up on the Insta at New York Fashion Geek. And remember, always be fly.